Welcome to the Maintenance Mavericks podcast, where we talk about trends in maintenance, reliability, and asset operations. My name is Ryan. I'm the CEO and founder of Upkeep, and I'll be your host for today's discussion. For today's guest, I'm super excited to welcome Joey Cantrell to our podcast. A little bit about Joey. Joey is the general manager of operations at Constellium, which is a manufacturing company specializing in aluminum products. Joey has over 37 years of field experience working in the mechanical industrial sector and is passionate about using technology to improve manufacturing workflows. Welcome to the podcast, Joey. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. And I just want to let you know it's an honor to be with you today. <laughs> it's an honor back to you, Joey, to be with you and have you come on to our podcast. So again, really appreciate you taking the time today out of Thank your you. uh, busy schedule. Thank you, sir. Appreciate The way that we always kick this podcast off is have you share a little bit more about your journey and how you're first introduced to this industry of maintenance, reliability, and operations. What has that journey been like? Well, my father started me off when I was 13, training me. He was a machinist by trade, work maintenance for 45 years. So at the age of 13, he started training me to be in the machine tool, machinist, maintenance, and reliability world teaching me what I needed to know to be successful in what I'm doing now. At that time, I hated it. I, I mean, I literally hated it. But now I'm so thankful that he did what he did because it got me to the point, you know, with his pushing me and training me, starting me off training, gave me a good foundation base to be at to where I'm at now in my career. Yeah, absolutely. And obviously, you've had such a su successful career over the last 37 years here in this industry and you know, continue to continue to innovate and push the boundaries of, uh, you know, what, what our industry really is. So appreciate all the, the work that you've done. And again, thank you for sharing all of this knowledge on today's podcast. Well, thank you, sir. Um, I would love to jump into today's topic. So obviously, you know, we've heard that over the past couple of years, COVID has been this big catalyst for the supply chain issues leading to everything from product shortages. And obviously, I know that the aluminum industry has been obviously affected too by, you know, product shortages, working remotely, you know, all the COVID shutdowns over the last three years. I want to ask you, how has that shop floor changed over the last three years amidst all of this unprecedented change? In the manufacturing world, what we're seeing now is, you know, social distancing, you know, that's created a big barrier because you can't work in groups no more. So everybody sort of has to branch out, then masking and offset on breaks. But it also is in a supply chain where you was just in time in the supply chain. Now you can't be just in time because the parts may not be out there when you want them. So what we're having to do now is to make sure that our storerooms are full with the required parts, criticality parts, and make sure everything's brought back to standards and remanufacturing. If we had to repair an item, bring it back to OEM standards, which we'd always have, but make sure we're doing more inspecting of the parts coming in, uh, looking for extra equipment, I mean, extra supply chains, repair parts to have on hand in case we was to have a manufacturing, you know, anomaly go down. But it's... Uh, it's been challenging, very challenging. And also, too, is keeping your head count up and being able to operate. And this is throughout all of industry, not just aluminum industry, in the steel industry and in the power generation industry. It's keeping people there on site because 
you could have 20 or 30 people at one time off from work because of COVID and because of the what we went through in the past in the epidemic is it's hard. You got to restructure your manufacturing outside outside of that. Yeah. I mean, what I hear, if I were to sum this up, is like the the need for dependencies or sorry, redundancies within your your plant, it sounds like, has become the 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 new norm given all of this unprecedented change. Yes, it has. You got to have redundancy. And it's just the change is just throwing every time something happens, it throws every time, you know, supply chain issue or it's a 22 week delivery on this part or you know, we got to meet the customer demands. It throws, you know, it throws a roadblock up and you got to be able to move around that roadblock and look at the big picture. And you got to be able to plan ahead instead of just in time. Just in time was working great till the, till the COVID hit. Yeah. And now it's just, you, you can't do that anymore. You got to, you got to do a long range forecast. So, I mean, I, I see like a lot of good in this, but I I can also see downside. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong. Like all the good in having redundancy is, is like you, you have critical parts. If there is a breakdown, you have um, contingency plans. If, and when something does, you know, break in the supply chain, that, that may affect your ability to either transport your product or get product in to, to produce your, your manufactured goods. But does all of this translate into higher costs for the end consumer? You know, the cost is the same. You know, whatever industry you're in, the cost to be the same because most of the times in what industry you're in, you already have a contract set up with the end user. So, you know, you got to honor that contract. Whether you know whether you're in a steel generation, aluminum generation, coal, power, natural gas, tile, rubber, you know you've got a contract set up beforehand. Yeah. So you've you've got to honor that contract, and you just try to do your best to absorb the cost and make you know make ends meet. Yeah, obviously that that's difficult on you know profits of a company and cash flow of, of, of a company. You know, obviously one thing that we also saw too was you know, creating these, moving from just in time to redundancies, oftentimes, you know, onshore, so that we don't have to rely on international trade issues that could come up. I kind of want to ask the question, like, how, how do you think the last three years of change has altered the trajectory of manufacturing here in the U.S. specifically? The trajectory of manufacturing here on the U.S. has increased because we're getting where we cannot rely on overseas products to come in because of the supply chain issues. They're having manufacturing issues overseas, and then they're also having, you know, shutting down plants, shutting down operations. So what we're doing here in the United States is a lot of people are looking at manufacturing here in the United States and to bring the product back from overseas back to the United States on this soil. So you won't have that logistics of getting a part in here. You know, it's, uh, you're looking at a lot of bearing manufacturers. They're, they're tooling up to make some of the bearings that they was having made overseas here, made into the United States. Some of your electronics, which was made overseas. Now they're getting, you know, promoted back in here. You know, they just signed a big bill and uh, authorized to have chips started been making here, I think in uh, Kentucky or Ohio, one of the two regions, just because they was getting them overseas. Now we're bringing them back here to the United States. So here, the manufacturing United States is on the up, on the upswing. It's up, it's, it's climbing, 
but the issue is finding people to man these factories. Yeah. That's the, that's going to be the biggest, biggest value right now is to finding qualified people, skilled people, especially in maintenance and also find people who want to work in factories. You know, yeah. it's not, it's not, it's not like it was 20, 30 years ago. Now it's, you know, we've, we're, we changed. What do you think the solution is to that, Joey? Because it's an ongoing conversation, people, people, retention, hiring. It's to know your people. Right now we're at a, you know, the age I grew up in, the ba- I, I'm a, what they call it, I guess a baby boomer. And we followed our father's footsteps, that generation, the greatest generation of all time. And they were just nose to the ground doing what they got to do to get by. But now the new generation is they're more into what can, what's in it for me and what can I do? And if they don't like it, they say, peace out, I'm done. I'm gone. (laughs) So, you know, it's more learning their needs, how they can contribute, you know, how their feelings are felt and, constantly train them they just don't want to come in and be uh they want to constantly feel like they're giving to the company and feel like they're supporting the company and they value to the company and all companies got to realize that that you know we are the people are want to be valued if you start valuing people and treating them with respect treating them with honor and valuing their opinions they'll be with you in the long term but just least little thing that don't happen they're like i say they're gonna say peace i'm out of here i'm gone yeah so treat people with respect, dignity, like, yeah, it seems like all the things that we should be doing. <laughs> well, we should, but, you know, we live in a real fast society right now. Mm-hmm. And we don't talk as much because now we, we're TikToking, we're Facebooking, we're texting, and we've lost the power to talk to people. And people right now, it's, 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 a, learn, it's a whole new learning experience all over again, you know, to have one-on-one conversation. People feel threatened sometimes when you have a one-on-one conversation with them. Now you can text them and they understand it, but it's, you know, one-on-one, Oh, he, I got to go talk to him face-to-face. Why don't he just text me and let me know what he wants. So it's, it's a change. It's a, it's a huge learning curve for the baby boomers and for the, you know, the new, the younger people. You know, we, we've talked about like COVID. We've talked about like all the unprecedented change. And it's pretty clear that, you know, these COVID variants, you know, there's talk about this like looming economic downturn could continue to exacerbate the problems that we've been facing within manufacturing and supply chain. So maybe the question, Joey, is like, how should businesses prepare for the next several years of change expected ahead? Well, we're seeing businesses prepare by they're going, you know, new smart factories are being developed. They're taking older factories and upgrading them with new technology. And then they're building new greenfield technology, you know, new greenfield factories. And so they're preparing for the future by upgrading their equipment, upgrading their manufacturing processes. And the biggest thing is they're training people on new technology. And that's, you know, for the next five years, if you don't start training your people on what's to come, you know, 20 years ago, I never would have thought I'd be carrying a handheld phone in my hand and, you know, computer right there. We still doing everything on paper and notes and all this. And now we got a, we got a computer at our hand. It can do everything, do all our thinking for us. So we've got to constantly train our people. The factories have got to improve on their technology. 
you know, get more into the digital world, get more into the remote world and uh, just keep, keep stepping forward. Like, you know, it's like the old saying goes, put one foot in front of the other factories manufacturing has got to keep putting one foot forward. If they're stuck in their box and not willing to step out, they're going to fail and they're going to leave behind. I always use when I'm talking to groups and talking to people, do you remember uh, in the movie Rudolph the Red Hose, Red Reindeer, the Bobble Stole Man? Mm-hmm. That song that says, put one foot in front of the other and soon you'll be walking out the door. That's what mm-hmm. I tell That's what I tell my team and also tell other people. Keep taking, putting that one foot in front of the other and you'll, and you'll keep going forward. But if you ever stop, you'll never keep moving. Yeah. So you, in manufacturing, you got to do the same thing. Look out for new technology. Look out for new ideas. Look out to what's latest and greatest on the market and see how you can incorporate that in your processes. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Joe, we talked about like technology. You mentioned, you know, that this idea that 20 years ago never could have imagined that you'd be walking around with a supercomputer in your pocket. I believe that some of the greatest innovations are actually developed as a response to challenging times, challenging times, lots of change comes oftentimes with the biggest innovation. So kind of want to ask you, like, you know, what new innovations are you excited by? What types of new practices or technology that do you think we'll start to see as a result of, you know, this challenging time, changing time? One of the things we're seeing is what me and you're on right now, a Zoom call. That's, you know, that's new technology. Then you got uh, Teams meetings. So that's come out of all this. But also, too, in the maintenance world, what you're seeing now is you're seeing digital technology that's coming out with, you know, remote sensors that you don't have somebody come check them. They can just log in from home and see vibration analysis. They can put thermographic cameras in there and look at their electrical panels and see that. Never have to open the doors. Just look at them. But you also, too, you got remote maintenance where you can log in, say, I got an issue with the machine. I need to call the OEM. He can log into the system, actually read the system or show me the prints, or I can send him a digital photograph or FaceTime him or, you know, teams meeting with him and we can work side by side. He's actually looking at the problem with me, seeing the actions. 20 years ago, we couldn't see that. We picking her, picking up the rotary phone saying, help, I need help. Here's what my issue is. And he's trying to picture it in his mind or look at it on the prints. And you couldn't do that 20 years ago. You really couldn't do it 10 years ago, but because mm-hmm. of COVID, now we got digital technology, we got remote access, we got remote cameras, we got uh, vibration sensors that nobody has to be there to, to watch all the time and watch the little red, you know, needle going around, temperature sensors, lubrication sensors. It's just a whole new world that's come out of this yeah. COVID. It was being developed before COVID, but when COVID hit, accelerated oh it just took off like a race car it just flew and uh it's it's really you know it's really you know 20 years ago we filling everything out on paper nowadays you've got your phone system same thing like through your system you can access everything through your through your upkeep you can access everything through you know or your handheld i call them i still say palm pilot but you know through your phone you can access the paperwork and everything and check off of it and there. that's right 20 years ago, you could. I mean, it, it is kind of wild to think 20 years ago, the, the first iPhone didn't even exist, right? Yeah, yeah. And 
Yeah, it's uh, times have changed just so much so quickly. It does. Uh, I mean, I can remember using a using a slide rule. That's how I tell you how old I am for a calculator. I learned how to do, do calculations with a slide rule. And now you can do all those calculations right there on your phone and never you never had to think really. So we've talked a lot about systems, technology, tools. We also know that none of those would be able to be maintained without the people behind them. And oftentimes that's kind of like, you know, our role as maintainers in, in the world. So I kind of want to ask you, Joey, what advice do you have for fellow leaders in maintenance, reliability operations, leading teams through through change and a lot of change that we expect in the future? My biggest thing is to train your people, consistently train, train, train. I can't overemphasize that enough. Second thing is to be respectful of your team. Also, it's real easy as us as leaders to want to lead behind a desk. Yeah. But you've got to be out there on the floor. People want that one on where as human beings want that one-on-one touch, that one-on-one confrontation, you know, not confrontation, but one-on-one meeting with each other. They want to feel like they matter. So as leaders, we've got to emphasize that to them that you count. I'm going to get you the training. I'm going to train with you. I'm going to learn with you. And also as leaders, we got to remember you're only as, your team's only going to be as good as you are, but you're only going to be as good as your team. So it's a double-edged sword. It cuts both ways. So in team, there's no I, it's a group, you know, we're, we're, we're individual. And uh, so as leaders, we've got, we, we can't forget that. You cannot forget where you came from and you forget, you can't forget where you're going, but you, but you also got to bring your team there with you too. It's got, it's a success for both parties. Absolutely. Thank you so much for sharing all of your insights there, Joey. Um, and, and, you know, the way that we always end our podcast is with a quick fire round of questions to leave our audience with a few extra golden nuggets of information. So essentially, I'll ask you a question and get your thoughts in 20 seconds or less. Are you ready to jump in? Yeah, I'm ready. All right. So to start, what's the biggest challenge you're facing in your role right now and how are you tackling it? It's finding qualified people to do the job. And what way, way we're finding that is we have lo- we have partnered up with our local community college mm. and went into it. it. Used to be you had apprenticeship programs, you had pipe fitter apprenticeship programs, millwright apprenticeship programs. All your factories had apprenticeship programs set up to train the people, work up. Nowadays, we're because of the technical schools, the junior colleges becoming one. We're partnering with the junior colleges on the, on their program where the students, they, they decide they just like to get in a football scholarship. They go in there and sign the program up, wear the, put the company hat on, sign the papers. They're committing to go to school for two years, two to four years, but also while they're going to school, they're also getting hands-on training yeah. from experienced journeymen, electrical and mechanical both, so they're, they're getting the best of both worlds. So when they graduate from the college, They'll get an associate's degree or they'll get a four-year degree that the company's paying for. Yeah. And then they'll also get paid while they're working to learn to trade. So by the time you hire in when you're 18, you'd say four years, 18, 23 years old, you're making, you know, over 30 bucks an hour or more. Yeah. And, that's and with great benefits. Right, right. Right. And with, you know, an education, a degree, like that's, so, sounds like such a good setup. 
It is. And you're building a foundation. You're laying, mm-hmm. it's like building a house. You're laying your foundation for you to be successful in your career further down the line. Yeah. All right. What's uh, one question you wish I would have asked and how would you have answered? Oh, uh, the question is, where do you see yourself in five years? Okay. And where I see myself in five years is being a, a better leader, a better person, and a better teacher to my team, mm-hmm. to my family, and to people I come in contact with. Mm-hmm. I want I want people. I can't take when I die. I want to be an impact on. I hope I'm. A, I hope I'm an impact on the people that I come in touch with. I don't want to take what I know to the grave. So I want to be able to teach what I know, as far as my skill and my experience, and my, not say beliefs, but my honor. Yeah. I stand in my name. My name means a lot to me, and I want to pass that along. And I want to pass along what I know to other people. Yeah. So that's where I see myself in five years. All right. Uh, how about some contrarian views? What's one thing about your job field um, that you believe others may de- may disagree with you on? That uh, don't ever forget where you came from. Some people may say, oh, I'll never go back. Don't ever be willing to not go back to what you started out from. A lot of people, they they I'll never go back to that or I won't do this, but you can't ever forget where you came from and you can't ever forget the people who helped you. Yeah. And a lot of people do. They forget where they came from and they forget the people that helped them and they think it's all I, I've done this, I've done that. No, the people, the people that taught you, the people that mentored you, the people that have provided you guidance through your career, they've helped you and you got to be thankful for that. Yeah. All right. Biggest takeaway that you hope all of our listeners can learn from today's discussion. I hope that they take away on how to be a good leader on what it takes to be a good leader. But also too, is that the digital world that you've constantly got to learn. You constantly got to seek out new information, new technology, because if you don't seek out that you're going to get left behind. Yeah. All right. I love all the, the answers here. Lastly, Joey, can you share with all of our listeners all the different ways that they can connect with you and follow you on your journey? Uh, I'm on LinkedIn at Joey Cantrell on LinkedIn. And also you can reach me at Joey Cantrell 100, J-O-E-Y-C-A-N-T-R-E-L-L-1-0-0 at yahoo.com. I answer all my emails. And uh, that's one thing I learned a long time ago, Do you know, to be polite and be respectful of people and i'm here to help people on their journey and also help businesses be successful thank you so much joey for for joining us and thank you for being so kind to to our audience um responding to every single email and you know just wanting to share your experiences and support so thank you again thank you to all of our listeners for tuning into today's episode of the maintenance mavericks podcast Again, my name is Ryan. I'm the CEO and founder of Upkeep. You can connect with me. I'm also very active on LinkedIn, or or you can shoot me an email directly at ryan at upkeep.com. I hope everyone enjoyed today's discussion, and I look forward to the next one. Until next time, thank you again, Joey. Have a great rest of your day. Thank you, Ryan, and I appreciate it. Bye-bye.